You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. We want to welcome you to our Christmas Eve service. We want to say Merry Christmas to everybody. How many of you are going to have a Christmas dinner right after the service? Okay. How many of you are still maintaining some of your traditions from, from, from back home where you have to wait for midnight before you eat? Anybody like that? Okay, so, so some of you are going to be uh, <laughs> staying up late tonight. And um, so we, we are opening our gifts either tonight or tomorrow, and um, we're excited for the gifts that we receive. But again, I've said this a while ago, the greatest gift we can ever receive is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the greatest gift that God has given us. And over the last three weeks, we've been, we've been unboxing, basically, the four throne names or the four titles that was given to the Messiah in the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. And over the last three weeks, we looked at him as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the everlasting Father. And tonight, we want to talk to you about the Prince of Peace. And can we all stand right now as we read Isaiah chapter 9 in honor of God's word? Um, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your apps with you, you can also turn on your Bibles and follow along. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that in these Four throne names given to you, our Messiah, our Lord, our Christ. Lord, it, this reveals your character and this reveals your reign. And Lord, we are so privileged to, Lord, to be saved by you and to be under your lordship. And we're so honored and privileged, Lord, to be called your children, to be called your part of your family, to be called sons and daughters of God. And so tonight, as we celebrate your birth, Lord, we recognize the significance of your birth, not just the birth itself, but the reason why you came. And Lord, we thank you for your greatness. Tonight, we celebrate you and we honor you in your most precious name, we pray. Amen. You may all have your seats. Um, You know, again, Christmas reminds us uh, Jesus is God's greatest gift for us, and um, he is the reason for the season. And and actually, Christ puts the meaning in Christmas. Okay, in case you just didn't get that. Right? Okay, so Christ, Christmas, Christ, Christmas. Yes, Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. Okay, and um, how many of you know Charlie Brown? Every Christmas, um, ABC, the TV station ABC airs um, a Charlie Brown Christmas. And it's been airing for 50 years Okay, so 50 years, 50 straight years. And uh, there, Charlie Brown is trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. And so, you know, he's trying to discover what it's about. And then Linus tells him what it's about. As a matter of fact, instead of me sharing it to you, let me just show you the clip. And Linus basically quotes from Luke chapter 2, okay, in his speech. So let's, let's look at that clip. How many of you have seen a Charlie Brown Christmas? Okay. All right, here we go. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? 
I'm sorry, Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. See, Linus knows it. Uh, didn't you notice? That may be the first time ever you will see Linus drop his blanket when he talked about, you know, fear not. You know, so anyway, I had a backstory about that, but um, you figured out Charles Schultz made that deliberate that he dropped his blanket, so his security blanket. But anyway, you know, the, the setting of uh, Isaiah 9, uh, the verse that we read, is it was a dark time. It was a time of um, apostasy. Um, people were turning away from God. It was a time when ungodly kings were, were ruling Judah at the time. You know, uh, King Ahaz was an ungodly king, and he stepped away. He basically left, um, you know, the faith of his fathers. He, you know, he just threw away everything his fathers taught him. King Hezekiah and all the other godly kings of, of Judah, he just said, you know what, I'll just have my own way. And so it was a dark time for the, nation, for the kingdom of Judah at the time. And there was impending war. But even in the midst of their unfaithfulness, God was still faithful to them. And he said, I'm not going to leave you. Um, I'm not going to just let you be taken by these two kings who are trying to, to attack you. Okay? So there he gave a, a promise, a sign to them that this is the proof that I will not leave you. I am with you. The virgin will be with child and give birth to the child, and that child shall be called Emmanuel. And, and in the book of Matthew, chapter, chapter 1, it was that particular verse, which is a messianic verse, was quoted by Matthew and said, you know, and he referred to the Emmanuel as Christ the Lord. He referred to Jesus as the Emmanuel. Okay, so, and then... Later on, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, basically, the coming ruler that will come from God, who will rule on David's throne forever. The people who heard that prophecy began to look forward to, to the future that this ruler will bring us back to the glory days of David. So they saw the ruler as a political ruler. But God had other plans. The ruler who will save him is not just going to be a king in Israel. Not, he's, not just going to, he's not going to be a political king. But he's going to be the king of all. He's going to be the king of kings and the lord of lords, as he is. And he's coming back to rule. And so he, that was the promise. And so, and in the midst of that, God gave them hope. And he promised to give his people peace by sending them at the time that God undisclosed. He will send forth, at the appointed time, the Prince of Peace. Okay, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about this evening. And this is the last of the four Messianic titles 
uh, given to Christ. Now, with the title Prince of Peace, the prophet declares that this ruler who will come will usher in his reign of peace, not just in Israel, but for the whole world. How many of you watch beauty pageants? I'm pretty sure you've watched over and over and over what the last one is. <laughs> and aren't we just so, aren't we just so, most of us are proud of that. <laughs> anyway, you hear candidates always say world peace. And their idea of world peace is different from God's idea of peace on earth. And we have nations coming together for the goal of peace. And you see, real peace is impossible to attain apart from the Prince of Peace. So if you try to accomplish peace on earth without the Prince of Peace, guess what? You will not accomplish it, or you will accomplish something that is fabricated peace, for peace. It's not real peace, okay? And um, Isaiah expounded on that, what the Messiah will be doing in Isaiah 9, verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So it's the zeal of God who, that will accomplish this. Okay, it's not by man. It's not by people coming together and, and trying to accomplish peace on their own. That will never work. Okay. It will only work through the prince, the prince of Peace. Okay, so what is peace then? Uh, in, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew mindset, the word peace, which the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. Okay, have you heard that word, that Hebrew word shalom? That's also, if you've been to Israel, that's how they greet one another, shalom. Okay, so that means peace be with you. And the word shalom means um, happiness, welfare, good health, prosperity, uh, favor, completeness, soundness. In other words, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. So when someone wishes you shalom, that's what they're wishing you okay, with. Wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And the general sense is that those who submit to the Messiah's dominion will lead a life of peace and a blessed life of obedience in Christ. That's basically the sense here. Now, consequently, it follows that those who do not live under the Messiah's dominion, their lives will be characterized by chaos, by misery, and, and by strife, okay, and restlessness. Even if you desire peace, if the Prince of Peace is not in your life, what you'll have is a peace that is an illusion, Okay? But in the New Testament, the angels, during the time of the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus, angels appeared before shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. You know that song, right? So, and then the angels said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. Peace in the New Testament is the Greek word eirene, which which is where we derive the name Irene. How many of you named, are named Irene here? Irene? Do you know an Irene? Any Irene? The word Irene means peace, okay? And the Greek word Irene carries with it everything that Shalom has to offer 
but it also brings with it the idea of deliverance from deliverance from conflict. Okay? So Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, will bring peace on earth to men, and there will be a cessation of conflict. Where will the conflict come from? Okay, so what kind of peace? So I just want, we're going to just have a quick, we're just having a quick service here. So let me just give you quickly the three things that the Messiah will bring when he brings his peace. Okay, first thing, the first thing that the Messiah will bring, the Prince of Peace will bring is peace with God. Peace with God. Okay, Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now why do we need to have peace with God? Because the Bible says, because of our sins, we have made ourselves enemies of God. Okay, Though we have been created by Him, we have made ourselves His enemies when we live in our sin. And we cannot save ourselves from our sins, no matter how religious or pious we try to be. But what God does is He takes care of that issue by sending forth His Son. And we can have real peace with him through Christ. In the New Testament, peace is basically reconciliation with God. Okay? How many of you have been reconciled with another person? You know, you were enemies and then you got reconciled. Have you experienced that? And how many of you enjoyed that? After reconciliation, you enjoyed, you enjoyed the peace. Okay? Now, this reconciliation with God is made possible only through the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says this, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. So let me ask you this. Are you at peace with God? Are your sins forgiven? You see, we cannot bargain with God and have a peace treaty with God apart from the Prince of Peace. See, the peace that we will have with God has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross for us. Secondly, the second thing that the Lord, the Prince of Peace, will give us is peace within ourselves, peace within man. Okay? Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, you see, the peace within that we're looking for is not an ethereal peace that we can achieve, but it is the peace of God himself. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you want your hearts and your minds to be guarded and be kept at perfect peace? It is only by the peace of God which we cannot manufacture. It is something He gives us. It's something He blesses us with. Okay? He gives us inner peace. And peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it is being enjoying and being secure in the presence of God, even in the midst of conflict. Have you seen people? Everything's against them. They have so much adversity, and that inside, they're so strong, and their faith is strong. Have you seen people like that? That's a person who trusts in God and he's kept a perfect peace, no matter what the circumstance is. See, peace is not dependent on your circumstance. Okay? So, it is the peace of God within man. And in Ephesians, Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay? This is a peace that we can receive now in this life and enjoy and walk in. Okay? Now. Not a future thing. We can enjoy it now. We can walk in this now. We can live in this peace now. As a matter of fact, this peace of God, Paul says, is Jesus himself. He himself is our peace. Okay? When we have Jesus, when we put our faith in Christ, and the Bible says he lives in us, we have the Prince of Peace in us. The source of real peace. And his peace is manifesting in our lives. It's going to manifest through our lives as well. Thirdly, the Prince of Peace will bring peace among men. You see, it starts with being at peace with God, being reconciled to him. And as we are reconciled and develop a relationship with him, his peace fills our hearts. You know, he himself will flood our hearts with peace. We will have peace inside that there will no longer be any turmoil inside, that you know, our conflict with sin will be dealt with, though we're still battling with it, but we know we're gonna have, we have the peace of God even in the midst of our conflicts. And ultimately, we will be delivered from all those sins. And that's why, as, and, and as the peace of God manifests inside of us, it will, it will overflow and impact the lives of others. People will see God's peace in us. So when people look at you, do they see God's peace? Or do they see someone like this? Always harangued, always harassed, stressed out. You know, the peace of God is a beautiful thing. Okay? Peace among men. And this is not the world peace that beauty, page- beauty pageants speak of. Isaiah 9, again, reveals that the Messiah will bring forth his forever rule of peace. And Luke 2.14 Linus mentioned this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, it doesn't mean that he gives peace to everybody, you know, carte blanche, okay? Um, You know, everybody, okay, whether you're a sinner or not, whether you believe in God or not, peace. No, peace, he has given, paved the way for peace. Now, we can receive it by putting our faith in him. Now, the Prince of Peace establishes his peace on the earth. Now, a great example of this is this book by Don Richardson. This was a required, a required reading of ours when I was preparing for ministry, for full-time ministry. I went through the Every Nation School of World Missions. This is our required reading, and this lays out, basically this is a Don Richardson's story, account of his time as, missionary, as a missionary in the western part of New Guinea. It was um, colonized by the Dutch at the time in 1960s, in the 1960s. He, he and his wife moved from Canada to be with the Sawi tribe. Again, okay, this is the Sawi tribe of New Guinea. And um, so to work with them, they studied the language and the culture. And they sh- started sharing the gospel to them. But what's interesting is they shared the gospel to the Sawi tribe. They saw Judas as the hero of the story. And Jesus is the poor victim, but Judas was the hero. And he was like... What in the world? Why, is Ju- Why would Judas be the hero? And then as he, as, he, as he asked, he discovered that in the Sawi culture, to them, the highest virtue to be the mightiest warrior is that you can betray others. The greater betrayal, the greater warrior you are held. You're legendary. That was in their culture. It's unthinkable, but that was their culture. The greater the betrayal, wow, this is to them. And you see, that's why they connected more with Judas. 
And he said, it's not going to work. And so he saw there's going to be a big chasm, a disparity. How can I share the gospel here? And now, but the thing is, Donald Richardson, North Americans, North American and European missionaries came to, the, to New Guinea. They were white folks, and, they, and, and the Saudis and the locals were mesmerized with white people. They've never seen white people before. And the white people brought with them tools that they've never seen before. And the white people were, were the, the missionaries were helping them. And so they were liking everything that the, the white people were teaching them. But they were, but they were such a violent people. You know, the Saudi tribe, you know, the Saudi tribe, uh, tribesmen were cannibalistic hunts, uh, headhunters. I'm not talking about job headhunters, real headhunters. Chop your head off and claim it as a trophy. And they ate each other. They ate their victims. So it's like, okay. So, and during the time when Don Richard, Richardson was there, three tribes where he was living and ministering to were at war with each other. And they were so violent. This circle of violence, this cycle of violence was just so prevalent. And Don Richardson and his wife wanted to move out. And as he wanted to move out, they found out, hey, the white people are trying to move out. Why are you wanting to move out? We don't want you to move out. We're going to move up because, because you know, our safety is at risk. You are, you know, you're being so violent. We, the only time we'll stay here is when you are at peace. And so the tribal chiefs who were at war with each other decided to have peace, and they met, and they had a ceremony, and then Donna Richardson was there. And in that ceremony, here's their culture. For them to have peace, the chief would have to give a child preferably his own, to the other chieftain, to his enemy. And as long as a child lives, there would be peace between their tribes, between their villages. And Don Richardson said, that's a peace child. They say that that was, in English, it's translated peace child. As long as a child lives, there will be peace among the tribes. And Don Richardson saw the redemptive analogy in their culture, and that's his thesis in all these other books. He said there is a redemptive analogy in all cultures that will point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is the truth. And God has sovereignly put, placed seeds of his truth in, in different cultures. So, and so he started talking about the ultimate, the perfect peace child who will never die. And it was given by the supreme being. God himself gave his one and only son that whoever... Believes him shall not perish. And so that started to open the Sawi's minds. And a few years later, you know, we see one by one, the different Sawi tribes were converting to Christianity. Most of the Sawi tribesmen today are Christian. And Christianity brought peace to a other, an otherwise violent culture. That's what Christianity does. That's what the Prince of Peace will do. When he floods your hearts with his peace, there will be peace. Among men. See, that, this, that story, this is a real story. And that is the ultimate plan of God. He will bring peace to it. But to bring peace, he will have to put an end to conflict. And the greatest conflict we have is sin. Okay? And here, the peace of Christ within is actually a mark of every true believer. Okay? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you are a true believer of Christ, you will be a peacemaker. You'll not be a gossiper. You're not going to start divisions. You, you will make peace. So as we conclude, in the Old Testament, peace is shalom. Peace 
in the Old Testament concept is a future thing that will, the Messiah will bring. In the New Testament, peace, irene, is a present reality that believers can live in. Not just, it's a hope in the future, but it's a present reality they can walk in as well. So how did Jesus bring peace to the world, to us, with God, within us, and with others? He made it possible, you know, by sacrifice on the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and his wounds, and by his wounds, we are healed. See, it was the punishment that he, that he endured that was what brought us peace with God. He paid the penalty of our sins. And I'd like to end with this. Only by faith in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, can true peace be a present reality in your life. Apart from the Prince of Peace, there is no peace at all. True peace is only made possible by Christ's sacrifice on the cross and at Calvary. And I'd like to read this. And it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, that we have, we have peace through his shed blood. So he had to shed his blood. That's the only way for us to have peace with God. Let's, let's all stand right now. As I'd like to invite the, the worship team to come forward. and I'd like for us to receive communion. And as we celebrate Christmas, it's not about the Christmas shopping or the festivities. It's not about the gift giving. It's all about the significance of the birth of the Messiah. He came to die for your sins and mine so that through him we can have peace with God. We can walk in his peace and we can spread this peace to the world. Amen? 1 Corinthians 11 says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's all take the wafer, the one on top, remove the plastic, and just take it right now. If you're a believer in Jesus, this will be, if you're a believer in Christ, let me encourage you to take this. But if you're not a believer, it's up to you. You're welcome to take it or not. But this will have significance for those who are genuine believers. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on that cross. You, you took the pain and suffering of our sins. Lord, the suffering that we deserve, you endured it. You let it you let it break your body you let it you took the pain you took all the shame and through your the giving of yourself our salvation has been purchased and today as we receive this bread which is a symbol of us receiving your sacrifice on that cross we say thank you Jesus thank you for coming though you are God the second person of the Godhead you became a man and as a man you paid the penalty of our sins the perfect man sinless man and we receive this bread right now saying signifying that we receive your sacrifice let's all receive this right now the same way 
Also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood on the cross. Through your blood, Lord, you purchased us. Through your blood, we have redemption. Through your blood, you made us, we have forgiveness of sins. We have justified, we are justified. Through your blood, Lord, you've made us white as snow. Lord, through your blood, we became saved. Lord, you saved us. You purchased us with your blood. And as we drink this juice, Lord, this signifies that we receive your shed blood on that cross. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes us as white as snow. That precious, sinless blood that takes away our sins. Lord, we thank you and we celebrate you as we receive this juice. We receive, Lord, your shed blood over our lives. Let's partake of the juice right now. Let's focus on Christ right now. Before all the festivities, before everything we're going to do in, during Christmas time, Lord, we focus in, we zone in. Lord, we focus our eyes on you, Jesus. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the reason why we celebrate this season. And Lord, I pray that we will not miss it, but we would indeed celebrate the significance of Christmas. Christ is the significance of Christmas. And Jesus, we worship you today in your most precious name.